God is good, isn't he? Isn't God always good? Amen. Well, church, I just want to continue from last week. Uh, last week, I don't know, I think most of you heard, but I think some of you haven't, so I'm going to share it again. I just had a, a supernatural testimony very quickly. I was driving, uh, <laughs> driving and listening to Jeannie's podcast from a couple of weeks ago, and when uh, her podcast ended, mine from the week before just came out automatically, and just without all the details for safety, I just didn't change. It wasn't even worth messing with. I left it on. It was like white noise in the background, hearing myself speak. But what happened is something supernatural. I'm just driving, and I don't even realize, you know, now it's like, you know, it's, I can hear it, but I'm not necessarily paying attention, but I can hear it. And what happens is uh, suddenly I get to the part where I talked about Lot, and I just had used him as an example, and Lot's wife as an example. It wasn't even the point of the whole sermon, but it was an example. And I, I read the scripture where it says the angel said to Lot, now hurry, and something supernatural happened. When I heard the words from my own mouth coming through my radio, from the Spirit of the Lord. When I heard those words, I was brought to tears. Instantly, it was something supernatural out of the spirit within us, right? We have a spirit. Who's aware you have a spirit? And it is connected to the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer, right? They are one. They've been infused into one, even just during prayer, just talking about that again. And what happened is I was infused. I was uh, the Bible calls it, or you've maybe you've grown up in Christianity, you've heard it called like an unction, right? Who's heard the word unction? Who knows what that, that old Christianese word, right? Right, but there's this thing that just, you know, hits you like in your stomach and you know. And so what happened is, is without even thinking out of my mouth at burst, yes, Jesus, I hear you. I said, yes, Jesus, which was part of it last week, but actually I went and looked as I had written it down. It was, yes, Jesus, I hear you. As if it was Jesus saying to me, hurry. And so I brought the sermon last week, and we titled it, Hurry, if you listen to the podcast or if you look at the podcast. And uh, I... <laughs> Went before the Lord, and I even, sometimes I tell Dawn, I was like, I'm not sure, you know, I have some thoughts, but I'm not sure what I'm going to preach, and she always just laughs at me, because she doesn't believe it. Like, when we don't believe Jeannie, when she says, I'm not going to be long. <laughs> well, you don't feel like you've got it, because it's not, it's not feelings, right? It's the Spirit of the Lord. But I started seeking God, and what happened is, the more scriptures I've started putting into today's sermon... I kept going back to last week and copying and pasting those in. I was like, I really need that. And then I was like, I really need that. And I really need that. And so I had most of last week's into this week. And, and I, I want to just start with this. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 14, I'm going to read out of the New King James, Revelation 14, verse 14. It says, Then I looked... And behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man. Wow. Who's excited already? Don't you love hearing the Word? Who loves your Word? Who loves being encouraged by the Word? Right? And it's growth. There's, 
the Bible says in Hebrews that the word is alive, right? It's living. And there's life right now being, whether you know it or not, there's life coming into your spirit, man, just by even reading these words about our Savior. And it says, having on his head a golden crown. And this is what it says. And this is what I feel like the Lord has been trying to, to warn us of for a long, long time. Actually, I'll share something. Remind me, church, to share something in a moment. But it says, crying with a loud voice to him. It says he had a sharp sickle. He had a sharp sickle. And it says, and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Thrust in your sickle and reap. Everybody say reap. For the time has come for you to reap. For the harvest, everybody say harvest. Who knows it's harvest season? It's harvest season. We just went to a farm yesterday, and uh, as I was working in my sermon, sometimes I'm cautious. I'm like, Lord, it's not just in my mind because of what I did yesterday, right? But, you know, the Lord uses everything, doesn't he? You think that the timing, you think that God doesn't know what he's doing? It's harvest season. And actually gave me a picture of it yesterday so I can really get it. Thank you, Lord. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud, the cloud, he sat on the cloud too, right on his head. He who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. Does everybody know what this was about? This is Jesus. It's a picture. It was a supernatural revelation picture of the very last moment. After this, actually, then he takes out another sickle, brings the wine press, right? That's not for us. That's the blood. That's the judgment. The harvest is ripe. The earth is ripe. When I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, hurry, I think about time. The interesting thing about time is that no matter how long it's been, it's always now. You ever stop and think about that? It's such a strange thought. I talk to my kids about time a lot. I'm obsessed with time. Because it doesn't even exist, which is the weirdest thing. It only exists in our realm. But in God, there is no time. He has always been and always will be. How does that make sense? Your mind just can't even, it just doesn't make sense. It can't. But the strangest thing about time is that no matter how long you've waited for something, it always comes to the day of. Suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. And who feels like even though it felt like a long time, somehow, simultaneously, we all do the same, especially as we get older. Where did the time go? We do the exact same. We, we know we, can, we have this feeling that it was a long wait, but at the same time, it doesn't matter if it was 10 trillion years. If today's today, today's today. That's the strangest thing about time, and I believe that the Lord... 
Who believes Jesus is coming soon? Who believes it's healthy to believe that? So somebody just recently, they asked me, they said, have you ever felt like we do now about what's going on in the world? Have you ever felt like this before? And the answer to this question is actually a yes and no answer. Because in many ways, it feels the same as a Christian because we're always heading towards this grand ending, right? So as believers, even Paul and even the disciples around Jesus is now the time you're going to set up your kingdom. There's this sense that it's, that it's now, that it's going to happen at this exact moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you've been a believer, who's been a believer for a while? You can raise your hand. If you've been a believer for a while, you have uh, had the sense, at least that's how we were raised, and I think that's most, most of the old-timers. See, I'm young, but I'm an old-timer because I've been in Christianity for 38 years. So 38 years of Christianity, that's, it. that's all I know. I was born and raised in it. And uh, we were born and raised that Jesus is coming imminently, right? Who was raised like that? Right, Dawn, I know you were raised like that too. Jesus is coming, and she, when she was a little girl, Jeannie tells a story that one night she went and packed her bags. <laughs> because if Jesus is coming, she should be ready. And he is coming soon. Whether he actually does come soon in our perception or in our time is irrelevant. Isn't that strange? Because what is soon? In order to actually decipher soon, you'd have to have something relative. You guys know what the term relative is? It's all relative. We say soon because we're bringing our own relativity into it, but to God, soon is a different thing, isn't it? When God said, I'm coming soon, Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Was he a liar that it's been 2,000 years? In fact, one of the signs that he's coming soon is that the people would start to say, they've been saying that, for a long time. Isn't that amazing? I've heard that before. And so this question that was asked, have you felt like this before, this imminent, this, this kind of like what's going on in the world? And the answer is actually yes, because as a believer, um, we have these seasons of urgency, you know, this imminent, you know, kind of uh, that I need to be ready. And then uh, what happens is, is uh, it's not a bad thing because there are seasons in God. But at the same time, what can happen as believers is we get so used to Bible prophecy. We get so used to um, hearing that he's coming and uh, being in the church and hearing his, hearing his word that what can happen is, is that we actually kind of put that on a shelf like it's, it's not as important as the rest of God's word. Like he's going to return anyway. So we don't really need to focus on that. Let's focus on some of the other things that matter. Anybody ever kind of thought like that? Or been taught to think like that? I've had conversations with strong believers, and when it comes up about his return and some of those things that talk about the return, they kind of just shut down. They're not interested in talking about those things. And... Um, I think it's extremely healthy Christianity that we are aware of his coming constantly. And I've used this analogy before. It's kind of like this. If um, 
my kids are good kids, but if my kids wanted to have a big party while I'm away for the weekend, now my kids wouldn't do this. Right, guys? <laughs> but if Dawn and I were away for the weekend and they wanted to throw a party, and I told them I'll be back on Sunday at 6 p.m., what time do you think the party will be cleaned up? Now, if I leave on Friday and I say, I might be back in about five minutes, and I might be back on Sunday, the chances of them having a party is a lot slimmer. And so it's healthy Christianity, actually. I believe it's actually, you know, the devil is subtle. In fact, the very first experience we have of him in, in the Bible is that it says that he was more subtle than any other creature, right? The serpent was more subtle. Who's, had the, who's, who's heard that, right? Who knows your word, right? He was more subtle, just like a serpent sneaks through, right? The devil's sneaky, and, you know, he can sneak theologies into even the church, and they're, and, and they're not evil in the sense that, you know, it's going to keep you from heaven, but they're evil in the sense that they can actually skew our thinking, and I believe that one of the subtleties that slipped in is that talking about Jesus' return, like, it's just not a topic, it's not a popular topic in mainstream church. Maybe you guys, the YouTube videos you watch, and the Christians you hang with, you talk about it all the time still, but if you actually were to poll mainstream Christianity, it's just not a very popular topic, Jesus' return. We know that he, he died for us, and he shed his blood for us, but much more mainstream is, what can Jesus do for you to have the best life here on earth? if you were to kind of go through most of the sermons and pull them. And I believe that it's a subtle thing that the devil did. Actually, I think it's the devil that did that. I don't even think that, I mean, men have to cooperate unknowingly, but the devil actually slipped in this idea that it's less important because what happens is it creates sloppy Christianity, just like my analogy. If we have time, if we think we have time, I remember a backslidden Christian who had given himself to the Lord as a young boy, but he used to tell me all the time, before he got radically saved, I have time. I just need to do this, this, and that, and when I get those things done and these things right, then I'll turn myself to the Lord. Anybody know someone like that? Anybody heard that before? Right? Okay. Now, thank God for his grace and his mercy. Who's thankful for God's grace and mercy? But who has seen tragically others that their life was suddenly ended? I had a friend uh, in high school who was born and raised as a Christian, just like I was. And um, he was always like kind of, always kind of lean towards being rebellious. Now, I could have had that leaning too. It was definitely there for me, and the Lord had to fight for me. Thank God that he got me young. But this guy didn't make it. One day, they found him in Philadelphia with a needle in his arm, and he was dead. Now, I, I, the only thing we can do then is, is believe that as he was dying, he repented, and that he said, Lord, you know, forgive me that I went, you know, ended up in this life. That's the only thing we can do. But to think we have time is a lie from Satan. We don't have time. And it's not a, a, a stress thing to put on us, like in the sense that uh, we need to worry or be in fear. 
because I, I, I'm going to maybe look, if time allows, at the Ten Virgins again just quickly. They've been coming up a lot recently in our sermons between me and Jeannie and hearing about, you know, out and about. But um, the point is that, uh, if, if I don't get to, I'll say it right now, is that all ten virgins fell asleep. All right, so all of them were unaware in his coming. So it's not, a, you know, if you have your heart right and you are seeking God, we need to be aware that we don't have time, but at the same time, we don't have to worry about time. We just need to set our eyes on Christ and make every single moment count. Does that make sense? But as soon as we think we have time, the answer is you don't. As soon as you think, well, I'm just going to just kind of, I just want to enjoy just a few things for, who, who's ever done this? Can I just have a minute? Can I just have one minute to myself? And you know what I hear from the Lord? No. Does that mean he's going to deprive us? I have so many blessings. I, I would take me the rest of the day just to name the, the way I've been blessed. So it's not about God not blessing us and not loving us. It's that I don't have, a, I don't have time to kind of like let my, my mind be worldly. My mind must be set on him at every moment. That even like yesterday out with the family, you know, in my spirit, I'm with the family and we're having fun, but in my spirit is still there's just these constant prayers. Who's, who is like this with the Lord, right? Even just doing, you're, you're with people and your spirit's still praying. You're just thinking, the Lord's speaking to you. You're speaking to the Lord, you know? Nobody even knows it. Who lives their life like that? Or that's the way that God wants us to live. That's a healthy Christianity. Because I know, you know, uh, actually, uh, Rick just said it yesterday. He said, the question's been asked, like, if the Lord said, I'll let you go back five minutes before your death, what would you do different? Like if it was f or five minutes before, you know, Jesus returns. Like, if you could have those five minutes back, what would you do in those last five minutes? That's interesting. Because the reality is we don't know what those last five minutes are. I hope they're right now. I hope, mark your time. I hope in five minutes we're gone. The Lord's like, heaven time. If that doesn't happen, I want to make these moments count. And so I, I was at, back to this question. I had this question, you know, if you felt this way. And the answer is yes, because you're always looking. But at the same time, I kind of came to this conclusion. The answer is yes, I've felt these type of things before. But and then simultaneously, I had to come to the conclusion of no. No, I have never felt this way before. Yes, I've felt these similar feelings, but I realized the answer is no. You know why? Because this is a new time. This is a new season. That as much as I could be like, this is very familiar. And what we need to be careful to do, I am so guilty of this. All right, so I'm going to just point my finger at myself, and maybe some of you will identify with this. You get really serious, and you're like, Lord, I know you're coming tomorrow, and I need to make every moment count. And then he doesn't come tomorrow. You know, you're not thinking tomorrow, tomorrow, but you know, like any moment. And some time goes by, and you kind of just, well, you know, that's what other people have believed, and they believe that, and they believe that. So, and you don't even, you're not saying to the Lord, I don't believe that, but you kind of just take a back seat. Not that it's not something you think about, but you, you, I don't even know how to describe it in words, but you're aware of it, but you kind of just, you, uh, I can't put this feeling into words. 
because I don't want to say like it's a heathen that I'm like I'm forgetting him but you just kind of it becomes kind of second place like I was saying people do it's not that you don't want to talk about it it's just less less prominent in your mind there we go anyway what happens is the next time someone says it and this is where I could be guilty like if someone said a prophecy like they said this and this is going to happen and when it doesn't happen on those dates the next time someone says the same thing who's like me you get really skeptical I've heard them say that before. You know, the thing is, they said Jesus was going to come, and one day he did. How many times did they wonder? Did they wonder? Did they wonder? Did they wonder? And then finally he does, and they don't even believe it. Isn't that crazy? This is a new season. I want you to say that out loud. This is a new season. And I believe that the Lord gave me fresh, hot off the press, just this, this, for this morning, this one line here, that this is harvest season. It's a new season because it's harvest season. And in fact, the Lord began to just show me just very quickly that this is the time in the hemisphere, right, where we, we reap the rewards of the seed sown in sowing season. I want you to say sowing season. All right, there is a time to sow, and there is a time to reap. And I'm going to read that in Galatians in a moment. But we picked the pumpkins that were planted in the spring, and we picked the apples, right, that were just buds on trees not too long ago. And if you were to go now and try to plant a pumpkin or to look for buds on the apple tree, you would be really disappointed at its result, wouldn't you? We must be aware of the seasons. And before I talk about seasons more, I want to read that there in Galatians. It says in Galatians 6, Galatians 6, verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, it says, If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself and share others' burdens and in, in this way obey the law of Christ. And he goes on and he says, he finally says, uh, verse 4, pay careful attention to your own work. And he says that you will get satisfaction from a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers and sharing good things with them. And I'm reading all this because he's trying to t give them this whole point. He's saying, listen, there's some things that you need to do. This is what the sowing is. There's some things that we must do. Because he says, verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired. Who gets tired sometimes? Let's not get tired of doing what is good. The devil is really good. One of the best things that he's, he's not good compared to Christ, right? He is under our feet. He is a serpent under our feet. He's the scorpion we tread upon, and he's the lion under our feet. But in our flesh, 
if we get into our flesh, he's good at making us tired for doing what's right. Who has gotten very tired in a season that you're like, I've done everything right, and I'm more tired than I was before? I feel like, Lord, it's harder to do what's right than it is to do what's wrong. And that's a good thing. That means you're doing something right. That means that you are doing what the Lord's asked you to do. Now, the tiredness has come, so he's not going to condemn us here. But when you experience it, don't get tired. Don't let that get to you. Because the Bible says, at just the right time, everybody say this, at just the right time, and this is where I'm starting to pull some things together. You know, we cannot be skeptical and cynical. Eventually, the things that God has said will come to pass. The things that God has prophesied, God, things that God has spoken, the moment we kind of like just take, take that back seat where, where, where I'm guilty is that I kind of, again, my eyes are on Christ. I just told you, like, I mean, daily, it's hard for me just to kind of, it's hard for me to just focus on the world without coming back and, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I love you. I mean, that's just how, how we're thinking as mature believers. But, you know, his, his timeline and his prophecies, they can take a backseat in our mind. And when, when I hear some things about it, it's unhealthy for us to be skeptical and be cynical. We should always be like, yes, Lord, I believe it. And when it doesn't happen, we don't get cynical. We don't get skeptical. We just say, well then, you know, we just don't understand. It's not yet. It's not, it's obviously we just missed the time, but we're going to keep focusing. We can't, what can happen is then we just push it all aside and say, well, it doesn't matter. All prophecy doesn't matter. Every prophet's wrong. Prophecy must have ceased, right? That's why they come up with those theologies, because there has been wrong prophecies. So they go, well, the only way to make sense of it is they must have ceased. No, we just don't understand. Does that make sense? has not ceased. We just don't understand. The point is that we must keep our eyes set. This is what it says. So we, the chance is that you are going to get tired by it. You're going to do what's right. You're doing things for others and not yourself. That's what that whole little chunk there in Galatians 6, you can read it on your own, but telling you to take care of those around you. Don't be just thinking about yourself. This, that's the world's nature. The world is self, self, self. And the Bible says when we do that, there's this thing that's going to come, you know, this enemy is going to try to make you feel like, oh, I'm just wasting. This is for nothing. And you need to understand something that what you're doing is not for nothing. You may have not seen the result of it yet. All right. You may have been you know, like, Lord, I believed your words and I, I believe your words. So I've loved this person and I don't see anything happen. Lord, I believe those those prophets and they told me to do this, this and that in my life based on your word, and, and I screened it, and I knew it was your word, and I haven't seen the result of it. Then you, know what the, you know what you need to do? The Bible says at just the right time. Everybody say at just the right time. I feel like from the Spirit of the Lord, if you are in that place, it might still be summer for you, and you're like, well, I'm not harvesting yet, but the Bible says it's at just the right time. There's a harvest time. There's a time where the Lord, and I do believe that's the season he's going to bring us into. I am saying that prophetically that we're going to come into a season where he's going to bring some harvest to some things that have been sown in the season so far. So at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen. Who's excited by God's word? You know that you can read through the word and you can get really encouraged by some of the people's stories, but then we, there are other stories where we pick and choose parts of it because we don't like the rest of it. 
<laughs> Who's aware that James was actually skinned alive? Anybody aware of that? We love his words. But we don't like that. Does it look like Jesus reaped a harvest? Now, we, do, we know the end of the story, but if you were a Roman or you were a Jew standing there and you see Jesus nailed to a cross, does it look like he reaped a harvest? Or does it look like in that moment that he's done all of that, all that, all those years, all that, all that for these people, and they put him on a cross and that's it? That's what it would have looked like, wouldn't it? And the Bible says that at just the right time, there's a harvest. You know, what, what we can't see in the natural, what we can't see with your natural human eyes is what God is doing in the unseen. And every, I've, been, I've said this in the last six months, I know that, I'm going to say it again. I don't remember what sermon it was in, but sometimes I bring them back, that every kind word, every time you've held the door for someone, every single time that you did what Jesus asked you to do, because that may have been your last act for him. That may have been the last act. And every single time you did it, the Lord logged it in heaven and he has recognized it. And there will be a harvest for those things. And simultaneously, every time that you were selfish and every time that you said, me, 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 and, and I, I, now thank God for repentance and grace and mercy. If that's you, then you repent right now. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't say, let's bring it before the Lord and repent for it. But all the times that we were selfish and we're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Now they can figure their own thing out. That's their life. I got my life. I'm busy. Well, the harvest for you is going to be less fruitful, much less fruitful. I'm being nice. But I also hear from the Spirit of the Lord that he is a supernatural God. Everybody say he's a supernatural God. You know, only in God's kingdom can you, har can you plant today and harvest tomorrow. This is what I hear from the Lord. You know what happened? Remember the guy who worked all day for God? He works all day for the Lord. He's been faithful. And then a guy comes in at the very last hour, and Jesus says, I'm going to give you the same pay. And then the other guys are like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I don't know if you, for you forgot how to do math, Jesus, but uh, eight times whatever hours, you know, equals this amount. I think you paid him wrong. And Jesus said, I can pay him whatever I want. So I want you to know this today. I want you, anybody to be condemned. I don't think you are, but if you feel any condemnation, wow, you know, it's too late. What do you mean harvest season? I haven't sown a thing. You know that only in the kingdom of God can we come before him, and you can, the Lord is amazing about redeeming the time. God can take time because it doesn't exist. I want you to say that out loud. I know you don't believe me. Time doesn't exist. It doesn't. I know you're, you're like, okay, uh-huh. If it doesn't exist, what are these wrinkles? <laughs> it's not real. Jesus is able to take, and, and this is why, see, the Lord, you know what? Every single time that a prophet came to them in the Old Testament, there was, every single time he came with a word, there was always encouragement attached to it. Always. Every single time the Lord comes and says, I need you to deal with this area in your life, and he encourages us. He finishes it with encouragement because there's always, if you are still breathing, there is still time. I want you to say that out loud. I'm still breathing. So that means there's still time to do what the Lord's asked me to do on this earth. Imagine I were to tell you, 
I want you to do this chore. And at the end of the chore, I'm going to give you unbelievable riches. You will never have to do a chore again for the rest of eternity. We can't even understand it. And you go, and I give you, I give you op- option B here. Option B is you don't have to do the chore. I'm going to give you 10% of those riches now, and you don't have to do the chore. But when your riches are gone, that's it. How foolish is that for the whole world? That the world says, are you telling me that I have to do something for a season to get somewhere when I can just have it now? I don't care. I literally, I remembered as a kid, one of my friends, it's just the deception of Satan, and I'm sure you've heard this lie. He said, why would I want to go to heaven? Hell's where the party's at. Right? Who's heard that lie? So he said, you know, he, he had come to the conclusion, I'd rather just do what I want now because it doesn't matter how I live here because I'm going to end up in hell anyway where the party is. You need to know now it does matter. Every single thing we do matters. Every single thing we do. I believe that the Lord's going to look a lot closer at us than we realize. Again, grace and mercy. I thank God for his grace and mercy on a moment-by-moment basis that we have his grace and his blood and his mercy on our lives. But I believe he's going to look a lot closer at us than we realize. And that means that I want my heart to constantly be on the altar. If my heart's on the altar and it's been burned up, then what can he judge me for? He'd have to look at himself. Amen. Thank God that we have that. Do we understand the full revelation of like well, who Jesus is in between us? Standing between us? But if we take that back and we take the reins and we start living this life again on our own, you know, now those things are going to be right in front of the Lord. There's no, there is, the Bible says without the blood of Jesus, there is no more sacrifice. There's nothing more that can cover it that's the only way. The Bible says, just quickly about times and seasons, I just wanted to read a few verses here, because I really felt like, as I looked from last week into this week, that the Bible has a few verses about time, and I believe that the time has come, and it says in First Chronicles 12, First Chronicles 12, verse 32, says, from the tribe of Issachar, who knows Issachar? Who loves the tribe of Issachar, right? Who loves what they're remembered for? Some guys are remembered because they were left-handed. You ever read that? Like so-and-so, he was a left-handed guy. That's what the Bible says about them. I mean, it's cool you got your name in the Bible. But the tribe of Issachar, it says, there were about 200 leaders in all the tribe uh, of the tribe with their relatives, and all these men understood the signs of the times, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. The Bible actually commends a group of people that understood the times. Now, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16, verse 2, he says, You know the saying, red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Right? Who knows it as red at night, sailors delight. Red in the morning, sailors take warning. Who's ever heard that? All right. I always look, oh, I'm going to be a storm tomorrow. So he says, you know how to determine the signs, and you know how to determine the weather just based on the sky, 
And you know how to interpret these wet, this by the signs in the sky. He says, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. And this is really what I felt like from the Spirit of God, because we there's a lot of mature Christians in here, including you know myself. We've been Christians a long time, that it could be easy to be like, well, I've seen the signs of the times my whole life. So what signs should I be looking for? I've seen them my whole life. And I really just, I hear from the Lord, it's like, it's like what I mentioned uh, recently about the 90%er club. Remember when I brought that up in one of our sermons? You know what we do as humanity? We go 90% when we get to like, we're just about to the finish line. I quit. I give up. What we need to do now is say, we need to say this. You ready? And this is, this is, so, this is truth, guys. This is true. If I have seen signs my whole life, then that must mean we are closer today than we were when I used to see those signs 20 and 30 years ago. Let's just use some common sense and logic here. Instead, we go, oh, I've always seen those, so they must not matter. That's like, we've seen the tsunami. You know, do you remember um, the tsunami that hit in 2004? Remember the videos? The waves and the people are out there? You just see them walking out. I mean, you feel bad because they died, by the way. Sorry to laugh, but you laugh because you're like, what are you doing? Watching the videos, and they're just walking out. They're like, what is that? The wave's coming at like 200 miles an hour, but it was so far away that they could actually watch it. And you see people going onto this dry seabed, which was, would have been amazing to see, but they didn't interpret the signs of the times that there was something coming towards them. Who, is, who feels like there's something coming towards this earth? I have felt these things before. Yes, but there's something different coming. What's interesting is I, I've been, I mentioned this in the last couple of weeks again, that I felt like something was coming pre-19 and 20. We all did. We didn't know what or how to interpret or what it would look like, but we all kind of sensed that some things are about to change, some things are coming. We felt like we needed to pray, pray, pray. And uh, I think we're about to see another level. I do. That's just my, you know what, I always just give you disclosure, that's my opinion. I gave you the word, that's not up for debate, but my opinion, I can tell you it's my opinion. But I believe we're about to see some things that are heavier duty than we have seen before. And Jesus said, you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. That's not us, is it? We are his children, and Jesus literally has given us, you know, um, a, a, a fresh reminder, I believe that when he said to me, hurry, we can't be with that. I can't be with that. I can't be with an excuse. I can't be like, Lord, you didn't warn us. Because he's going to say, I warned all of you. I gave your church dream after, who's had dreams of Jesus, you know, coming again or rapture type events? Has anybody had any end time dreams in, the, in your life? I've certainly had many I had dreams about things that are happening now that were 20 years ago, things that haven't even like fully developed, but I can see they're developing that I dreamt about 20 years ago. Who has had stuff like that, right? A lot of us. So we can't say to the Lord, well, you didn't warn us. You know, you said we don't know the day or the hour, so I guess it doesn't matter. No, he said you're supposed to know the season and to be aware of the season, to be aware of the time. And the, the word that the Lord gave us for last week, I want to read it again. And I'll close with this scripture because it kind of pulls some, a couple of things together here. It's Hosea chapter 10, 
verse 12. And without referencing it, remember Jesus said, you did not know the time of your visitation into Luke 19. Remember that? And so Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now. Everybody, I want you to I want to read this out loud because I believe that this is the word of the Lord. Now, like as in right now. Everybody say right now is the time to seek the Lord. I told you last week, I just have to testify again that when I wrote this scripture down last week and then I when I highlighted the time to seek the Lord when I went back and looked at my notes again, then I used like a yellow bold on top of my highlight. And then I pulled up my notes again sometime later, and I'm like, that's not bold enough, and I underlined it. And then I'm like, that's not bold enough, so I made it bigger. Like, I feel like that every time I open my iPad to look at my notes again, the Lord, like, amplified that one thing. So me closing with that, it's the time. Now is the time to seek the Lord. Time just goes like this. Right, who's aware? Doesn't matter how old you are, somehow you got there, right? You're like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. You know, so if you're you're five and you go, I can't believe I'm already five. They don't care. They just want they want to be 15. <laughs> but if you say, you know, how can I don't know how I got here, but somehow it doesn't matter how much time goes by. Suddenly it's like I don't, I feel it's a long life, but I don't know where it went. And the Lord's saying today, it's because it's now. This is now. Time is now. We need to seek him right now and uh, get back into that ark. I'm not going to preach that whole sermon, but just get in that ark, get in that place with the Lord. Now's that time to get into that secret place to do what he's asked us to do because we don't have time to waste. Amen. I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. I just pray, Lord, you seal it in our hearts. Your word says, God, of itself, that it's a seed and Lord, your word says of itself that that good seed, if it's planted down deep in our soil, Lord God, and we keep it there, and we hold it there, Lord, and we protect it, your word says it will grow and it will produce a harvest, Lord, a hundredfold. I thank you, Lord, for righteousness that's going to grow out of us because the word is in us. Lord, love is going to grow out of this church. We're going to be so filled with love, Lord God, because we've planted your word in us. God, we are not tired of well-doing. We are not wearied by the world rejecting everything that has to do with you. We are focused on you more than ever. We are recognizing the signs of the times that, Lord, you are certainly coming sooner than you were yesterday. And so, Lord, our eyes are on you more than ever, and we're seeking you, God, as your church. And we thank you, God, that you're going to fill us with the strength that we need to walk through this season ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.